Hey, I'm so glad that you're with us this Resurrection Weekend. Happy Easter 2020. Uh, man, I'm so glad that, that God is moving in lives and hearts and, and you've joined our online experience and we're really blessed that you came into the online experience of Heart of the City Church. I got a, I got a couple daddy jokes I got to share with you uh, today before we dive into the Word. Uh, where does uh, Easter Bunny, where does, where does the Easter Bunny like to eat breakfast at? I hop, of course, of course. What kind of uh, jewelry does the Easter Bunny wear? Well, well, he, of course, he wears 14 karat gold. That's funny, I don't care who you are. Uh, Easter Bunny's favorite music, hip hop. Come on, somebody. Well, we're going to dive into God's Word, and, and I'm so glad that you joined us. Uh, just open your heart to what God wants to do. You, you may believe, you may not even believe, and I'm going to tell you right now that Jesus believes in you, and He wants to touch you in such an intimate and real fashion today. Pray with me. You might want to pray for me after those jokes. Father, we just thank you for this time. We thank you for what this, repper, uh, this weekend represents, Father, all that you've done for us, Jesus how you stepped out of heaven in the form of a man. You put on our shoes, our clothing, moved into the neighborhood, and how you're here to touch lives today. And we just lift up this time as we dive into your supernatural word. I ask that you would speak and touch every person. I pray for miracles. I pray for salvations. Father, hope to be dispersed. God, your kingdom come. Your will be done today in Jesus' name. Hey, listen, the title of this today, the title for our entire weekend is The Answer. Because I want to let you know there is an answer for what you're faced with today. Not a answer, but the answer. There's, a, there's an answer for a struggling marriage or a floundering small business or sickness or fear, depression or anxiety, child raising, Maybe you're getting a little older in age. There's, there's an answer for these different things. There's an answer, answer for your future. There's an answer for your identity. There is an answer for whatever you may fa be faced with today in life. There's an answer for the addiction that you're struggling with. There's an answer for forgiveness or unforgiveness or bitterness. Or, or there's an answer when it comes to eternal life, everlasting life. And we want to talk about that answer today because that answer is a person. That person is Jesus Christ. He's really the answer. Why is Jesus the answer? How can one God-man ever be the answer? If he's the answer, then who is Jesus? I want you to check out this little video right now. It's called the Messiah. Messiah. There's this crazy story at the beginning of the Bible. We have Adam and Eve, and they're in the Garden of Eden. And everything in this garden is great. It's exactly as it should be, except there's this one tree that they're told by God not to eat from because it's dangerous and it will kill them. So that's it. Uh, avoid this fruit tree and we're fine. Right. It seems pretty simple. But in this garden, there's a snake. And it starts telling a different story. It says that if you eat of this tree, it's not going to kill you. In fact, it's going to make you become like God. And Adam and Eve, they believe the snake and they eat the fruit. And because of this, the goodness of the garden is tragically lost and evil and death enters into God's good world. 
Now, why is there a talking snake in the garden? I mean, this thing is a problem. Yeah, it's very strange. And even more strange is the fact that the Bible doesn't say why or how this thing even got there. It just presents the snake as this creature who's in rebellion against God and that wants to get other people to doubt God's goodness and lead them on a path towards death. And so whatever this snake is, it's the source of evil that pervades our world and our lives even still today. But there is some hope because right here in the story, God makes this really interesting promise to Adam and Eve. That someone is going to come in the future, a son of Eve. And this guy's going to come and he's going to crush the serpent's head and destroy evil at its source. However, during this battle, the serpent is going to bite this guy's heel. So it's like a mutual destruction. Yeah, it's this very strange but beautiful promise. And it's just left hanging there until the next key moment in the story when God singles out this guy named Abraham and says that through his family, goodness and blessing is going to be restored back to all of the nations of the world. And as we follow this family, we get to one of Abraham's great-grandsons, this guy named Judah. And he receives this promise that a king is going to come from his line and that the whole world's going to follow this king and he's going to bring peace and harmony and there'll be lots of food and wine and milk and vineyards and it's going to be awesome. The first king that we meet from the line of Judah is a guy named King David. And he's a hero. Maybe he is the snake crusher. But it turns out that David is infected with the same evil as the rest of humanity. He never crushes the snake, just the opposite. However, God makes a promise to David that this king is going to eventually come from his line. But as you go on in the story, one by one, each generation of his sons, they're just total chumps. They give in to the snake, they choose evil, they go after money and sex and power and following other gods. Things get so bad that they run the nation of Israel right into the ground and the big bad empire of Babylon just takes them out. And so now there are no more kings to even fulfill this promise. So it seems like the whole plan is lost. But during these dark days, there's this crazy group of guys called prophets. And they just kept talking about this coming king and reminding us of the promise that he'll come, he'll defeat evil, he'll restore the garden. Now, one specific prophet, Isaiah, he tells us more about why this king is bitten. Isaiah says that the promised king receives this wound because of humanity's evil and that it kills him. But then all of a sudden he comes back and Isaiah says it's because he suffered this wound that he can now become a source of healing to other people. But the Old Testament ends and the snake-crushing king that everyone's been talking about never shows up. And this is why when the New Testament begins, it introduces us to Jesus of Nazareth, not as some random guy, but as someone who comes to fulfill these specific ancient promises. Yeah, we learn that he's from the line of David, Judah, and Abraham. And he goes around Israel announcing that the goodness of God's kingdom is here now. And he begins confronting the effects of evil on people by healing them, by forgiving them of their sins and evil. Many people are now believing that this is, in fact, the promised king. But Jesus began telling his closest followers that he was going to become king and bring peace by taking the full effect of humanity's evil into himself. The fatal snake bite wound. Exactly. And so it seems like the serpent wins. And this story actually would be a tragedy except for what happens next. Jesus rises from the dead. 
And now Jesus has the power over evil and death for himself. And so the rest of the New Testament is then making this claim that Jesus's power over evil and death has now become available to us to begin confronting the effects of evil in our lives. But even still, death and evil are a real problem in our world all around us. And so the story of the Bible ends by describing this future day when Jesus comes back and he finishes the job. He destroys the snake once and for all and he restores the goodness of the garden here on earth. You know, this weekend is all about the death the resurrection Lord, his life, all that Jesus went through, that's really what this weekend represents. Billy Graham said that there was three charges that they brought against Jesus in order to condemn him to death. The number one charge was that he was a man who loved sinners. Another charge was that he, he healed on the Sabbath. And the other charge that they held against him that he... Uh, was the Son of God. I want to talk about those just for a few minutes because it's all about Jesus today. Jesus is the Son of God, yet Jesus is God. It's a beautiful mystery and it's very true. I want to read a scripture, John 1, 1 through 3. It says, in the beginning was the Word. That Word is uh, with a capital W because it represents Jesus. And the Word was with God and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God and all things that were made through him and without him nothing was made that was made. Jesus was God, Jesus is God, and Jesus will always be God. And it says this in Genesis 1:26, then God said, let us, that us is a capital us, make man in our, capital O, our image according to our likeness. You see, Jesus was always there in the very beginning. Jesus was with God, Jesus was God, and Jesus is God. Jesus asked his disciples when he was walking with them, hey, what's the, what's the word on the streets? What are they saying about me? And uh, they, they started this conversation, and, and some of the disciples says, you know what? We hear that they're talking about maybe you're John the Baptist, the dude who got his head cut off, or maybe Elijah or uh, 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 Jeremiah, one of the prophets. And Jesus looked at them and says, but who do you say that I am? And Peter, he came back with this beautiful, beautiful revelation of who Jesus is. He said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus answered and said to him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. And that's my hope for you today over this resurrection weekend, that God would reveal himself to you in such a beautiful, beautiful fashion. As we lift up Jesus, he draws all men to himself. God desires that none should perish. The son of God, this God in the flesh, Jesus says this, code red, when I say code red, I mean that Jesus says, you'll see it read in your, New, in your New Testament. It says, John 14, 7, if you had known me, you would have known my father also. And from now on, you know him and have seen him. When you saw Jesus, you saw the father. Colossians 1, 15 says, Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. 
He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. So that makes Jesus either a liar, a lunatic, or a God. And I want to let you know, for those that have believed on Jesus Christ, this is this is what's important is this step of faith. Once a person takes a step of faith, God just begins to reveal and open his heart to them and makes himself real. Let me tell you today, Jesus wasn't a liar. He wasn't a lunatic. He was and is God. Another thing that he was crucified was for was that he loved sinners. Listen to the scripture out of Luke 15.1. Tax collectors and notorious sinners often came to listen to Jesus teach. I think that's just absolutely beautiful because I'm a sinner. I was a sinner. I'm a, I'm a sinner to this day. And Jesus, he, he was a friend to sinners. And guess what? Sinners loved Jesus also. Listen to this scripture. The people that he chose sometimes, like Matthew was a tax collector, and, and Matthew, after he came to know Christ and began to walk with Christ, it kind of like he threw a banquet or a party, and it says this at Matthew uh, 9, 10. It says, later, Matthew invited Jesus and his disciples to his home as dinner guests, along with many, listen to the crowd, many tax collectors and other disreputable sinners. And then we see in Romans 5, 8, one of my favorite scriptures because it speaks of me. It speaks of you. But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You know, the Bible says if you're wondering if you're a sinner or not, and if you fall uh, in that category, I got news for you today. The Bible says that you are a sinner. The Bible says we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But while I was still living in sin, God, through Jesus Christ, loved and died for me. Another condemning accusation that was brought against Jesus Christ is that he healed on the Sabbath. And he did this more than one time. There was a woman who had an infirmity for 18 years. She was bent over and Jesus, he healed her on the Sabbath. And you know, everyone didn't like that. So many people got entrenched in their traditions and their religiosity. Yeah, Sabbath is a holy day, but I want to let you know that the Sabbath was made for man. Who is this Jesus who loves sinners, who, who heals? Well, the Bible calls him Emmanuel, God with us. You see, Jesus is a 100% man, but he's also a 100% God. He wasn't just a powerful earthly man. He was also a, a God man with great authority. The authority of heaven and earth was given to Jesus. I want to talk to you about authority for a minute versus power. I want to let you know authority is way, way, way more distinguished or way more powerful than power, if I may put it that way. Back in the day, I used to be a bouncer in Moorhead, Kentucky at this bar called uh, Babes, Babes Place. I was a backdoor bouncer, and my, my roommate, actually my roommate was the front door bouncer, and he was a really big guy, and, and you know, I wasn't just this little tiny dude, and, and short but not tiny, and I want to let you know that probably we had some power, but right next to Babes Place was the city police station. 
And occasionally, the city police would walk right in the midst of the bar. I mean, it would be packed full of people, dancing and so forth, everything that's going on in the bar, and the city police would walk in. I want to let you know, when they walked in, there was authority. We may have had a little bit of power, but I want to let you know, their authority trumped any power that we had. Why? Because the government, the mayor, the city, the law was behind the police officers. Where Jesus, he didn't have power, just have power, even though he had power, he also had authority. And I want to let you know that God gave him the authority, all authority of heaven and earth. Why is that important? Let me, let me read this scripture, Matthew 28, 18, and we're going to dive into why it's, that's so vital. Who is this Jesus and why is he the answer? It says this, and Jesus came and spoke to them saying, listen to this, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. And then later on, it talks about him giving this authority to the disciples. It actually was before this, but he also gave the authority to the disciples. It says this in Luke 19, two different gospels. It says in Luke 19, 10, 19, it says, behold, I give you authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over, look at this, all the power of the enemy. You see, there is an enemy that has power. He, he does have power, but there is a God who has authority and power over his power. And Jesus shares this authority with his believers. And it says, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Authority, jurisdiction. God has given believers. Jesus has jurisdiction over heaven and earth. He's given his believers jurisdiction over areas uh, in our lives. Jesus, who is he? He is the answer because he has all authority on heaven and earth. Listen to the authority that Jesus has. Do you know that he has authority over all creation? I mean, he is the creator, and the creator has authority over all the creation. The disciples are in a boat uh, uh, one day, and all of a sudden they, they run into a great storm. Matter of fact, the vessel begins to take water, and, and Jesus is in the stern of the boat on a pillow, and he is sleeping. I just find that kind of funny. Jesus is totally chilling out in the front of the boat, sleeping when the disciples are having an absolute meltdown. And, and, and he gets up, They're, they begin questioning him, and, and he says, teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And look what Jesus does. He gets off, off his pillow, out of a nap, and then it says, then he arose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, peace be still. And the wind ceased, there was a great calm. I want to let you know, whatever storm that you're faced with, Whatever you're faced with right now, that same Jesus that spoke to creation can speak into your life and speak into the storm that you're faced with right now. And then and, and it goes on to say, but he said to them, why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and said to one another, who can this be that even the wind and the sea obey him? Well, it's Jesus. It's the answer. The God-man with authority that created all things and put a boundary on the oceans and said, thus far, 
and no further. And I want to let you know, there's a, there's a song back, you know, around in the 70s. And it goes like this. Put your hand in the hand of the man who steals the water. Put your hand in the hand of the man who calms the sea. Take a look at yourself and you will look at others differently. By putting your hand in the hand of the man from Galilee. I know that's like a kind of a hippie old song, but it's very, very true. Very true that he wants to speak into the storm of your life today, maybe in your family or your business or your health. He has authority over all creation. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Jesus has authority over sickness, over plagues, over disease, over leprosy. Jesus walks into this village one day, and whenever he walks into a village, he hears from a distance. This is what it says. And as he entered the city, a certain village, there met him ten men who were lepers, who stood afar off, and they lifted their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. You see, social distancing just didn't begin five, six weeks ago or, or two months ago. Social distancing has been around for a long time. You see, those who had leprosy, they had to do a few things. They tore their clothes. They had bald hair, bald head. They covered their mustache. And they would shout out, unclean, unclean. And though it wasn't in the book of Leviticus, Le Le Leviticus priest. I believe, created a social distancy, uh, the study that I did, of a hundred paces, at least some of the priests, a hundred paces of those who were leprosy. But what was very beautiful about this story is Jesus didn't run over, put his hand on the lepers. He didn't go over there and anoint them with oil. All he did was say this. Look at this, what he said. So when he saw them, he said to them, go show yourself to the priest. And look at this step of faith. And so it was, as they went, they were cleansed. Jesus shouts at them, go show yourself to the priest. The, the lepers began to walk towards the priest. And as they began to go to the priest, healing took place. You see, the Bible says in Psalms, it says, he sent his word and healed them. It doesn't say that he sent his word to heal them. He says, the Bible says he sent his word and healed them. You see, I believe that in the covenant of what Jesus did and through his word, that is God's will to heal. And these lepers were healed and, and all of a sudden there was one that came back and he was celebrating and, and he was a Samaritan. And a Samaritan was, would be like someone the Jews didn't hang out with, almost like an enemy. And Jesus answered and said uh, to, to this gentleman, where are the ten cleansed? Where, it says, where, they're not ten cleansed. But where are the nine? Were there not any other found who returned to give glory to God except the one for, this, one, this foreigner? And he said to him, arise, go your way. Your faith has made you well. I want you to look at that just for a moment because the Samaritan came back. He had been healed. But guess what else Jesus did? Right in his presence, Jesus made him whole. He made him well. I believe that's beautiful because, you know, God can speak. He can touch your life and heal you. But there's also this place as we walk with Jesus that he makes us whole. 
And I, I just encourage you today, whatever you're faced with, Jesus, I believe, is here to heal your life. Listen to what it said about Jesus in Acts 10.38. It says this, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. You see, Jesus is good, devil bad, heaven good, hell bad. And Jesus went about doing good, healing, and setting people free. This was brought up earlier when Craig was uh, leading us into communion. You know, the people of Israel was in slavery for 430 years. And uh, Egypt was faced with 10 plagues. Frogs and lice and locusts and all kinds of different plagues. But the final plague was this, the death of the firstborn. You see, Pharaoh did not want to let his slaves go. They were doing all the work, making bricks, so forth and so on. And finally, this one night, the death angel was coming through Egypt to wipe out the firstborn of the Egyptian of the gods, and even of the beast. And you know what took place? Like we celebrated in the communion, the Israelites, they were given instruction on what to do, and they put blood over the door post of their house. And as the angel of death kind of blew over or went over their house, he saw the blood. And when he saw the blood, this was the blood of a, of, of a, of a little lamb, or even, even a little goat lamb or a sheepy lamb. And, and all of a sudden, the blood was covering, and all that they saw, all the death angels saw was, listen, was the blood. That was with an animal. How much greater is the blood of the Lamb of God, Jesus Christ. I'm believing that the blood of Jesus Christ, the miraculous blood, the blood of Jesus that washes us whiter than snow, Visit your life, cover your home, cover your family, cover your household. The blood of Jesus covering us and making us pure, whiter than snow. How much greater is the blood of Jesus Christ over that little lamb? He's the answer. He was striped for our healing. Not only does he have power over nature, power over creation, and over plague and sickness and disease, Jesus has authority over all the power of the devil. Does the devil have power? Absolutely. He's a wise old adversary. He's been around for a very long time. I want to tell you right now that Jesus has authority over all demonic activity, over all possession, over all oppression. One time Jesus left the multitude of people he was amongst all these, these people ministering to them. He gets in a boat and he covers, he crosses this body of water and he gets out of the boat. He's on the beach and this man meets him right there. And I just want to read a little bit of what this man was like. This man was absolutely demon-possessed. And, and just, just let me read the scriptures so that you can get a picture of what Jesus was faced with. It says this, and the chains had pulled apart by him, and shackles broken in pieces. Neither could anyone tame him. 
And always, night and day, he was in the mountains and in the tombs, crying out, cutting himself with stones. This man was absolutely demon-possessed. He was absolutely tormented. He was a, a hurting individual. And he meets Jesus right there as soon as Jesus gets out of the boat. And they have this conversation. It goes something like this, or it goes actually like this. When he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and worshipped him. And he cried out with a loud voice and said, what, I, what have I to do with you, Jesus, son of the most high God? Even demons know who Jesus is. <laughs> I implore you by God that you do not torment me. See, people that think that Jesus is here to torment them or that he's bad, I got news for you. Your, your, your mind is cross-threaded. You're not thinking right. God is good. And he's for us. He, he, he laid his life down for us. And he said to him, come out of the man, unclean spirit. Then he asked him, what is your name? And he answered saying, my name is Legion, for we are many. And the demons came out of him. They were cast into a herd of pigs. The herd of pigs went over the bank. And it's, a, it's an amazing story of Jesus having authority over all demonic power. And then we see a few scriptures later, we see a picture of what it looks like after being invaded by the love and the authority and the power of Jesus Christ. And it says this in Mark 5, 15. Then they came to Jesus and saw the one who had been demon-possessed and had the legion, look, setting and clothed and in his right mind, and they were all afraid. Jesus crossed this body of water, leaving multitude, leaving a huge ministry, crossed this body of water for one individual. You know why? He gets back in the boat, and he goes back to the multitudes. Whoever you are today, whatever situation, condition you're in, I want you to listen to me right now. Look at me real good. Jesus will go to the utmost, the guttermost, to save you to the uttermost. Whatever you're faced with, millionaire, welfare, single, widow, I don't care who you are, Jesus died for all. And he has a beautiful purpose and a plan for your life. Even in the area of mental challenges, illnesses, sickness, infirmities, I want to let you know that Jesus is the answer to that also. You know, at eight years old, I, I lost my mother and dad in a car crash. My sister and I went and moved in with my grandparents in South Carolina. At the age of 17, I went to this terrible wreck, got out of the car, and my sister was laying by the road, and she was dead three months pregnant. Really, really, I just got sideways from the passing of my mom and dad and the passing of my sister. I got to be honest with you, I have struggled with anxiety. I've struggled early on with panic, even before there was a whole lot of talk about it back in the day. I want to let you know that Jesus, he's the answer. Listen to me today. He's the answer. Listen to what Jesus did in this area when it comes to healing the mind, healing broken and damaged emotions. It says this in Isaiah 53, 4. Listen to this real good. 
Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. There it is once again. We blame God. He's smitten by God. We blame God for things. For He gets blamed for everything. When God was doing a beautiful thing for us, I want you to look at two things in the Hebrew today. It says, born our griefs. In the Hebrew, that, that word griefs means malady, anxiety, calamity, disease, grief, sickness. You see, Jesus bore our griefs. He bore your malady and your anxiety. And then it says, carried our sorrows. What does what sorrows mean in the Hebrew? It means affliction, grief, pain. And the pain is physical pain, but it's also mental pain. So whatever you're dealing with, so many things get talked about that are physical. Cancer, diabetes, heart disease, so forth. And all those should be talked about. And, and Jesus paid the price for all of those things. But there is a secret enemy of the cross. And it has to do in the area of the soul, in the area of the mind, in the area of the brain. You know, Jesus had a crown put on his head. It was a crown of thorns. He bled from his head, from his mind, from this area, his brain area, for you and I, so that we could be whole. Jesus heals damaged emotions. Jesus heals broken hearts, depression, despair, hopelessness. Listen to the scripture, Psalms 34, 18. It says, the Lord is near to those who have a broken heart, and he saves such as have a contrite spirit. Romans 15, 13. Now may the God of hope, he's the God of hope. He wants to heal you today. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace and believing that you may abound. Abound in what? Abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus also has authority over racism. Constantly hear that in our society today. I was uh, raised, in, I was actually born in South Carolina and raised a portion of my life there. And I've been around racism. I want to let you know that Jesus is the answer. He has authority in that area also. You may think that Jesus is white. I got news for you. He's not an Irish white man. I got news for you. Jesus was not a black man. He wasn't a, a black, dark black Ethiopian. He wasn't yellow. He wasn't red. Remember the little story, little song. We are precious in his sight. Jesus loves the little children of the world, yellow, black, white. Listen, I, 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 just, I decided to do something. I, I said, you know what? I'm going to just put on a normal color chart. And if you take red and black and white and yellow and you mix those three together, you know what color you come up with? You come up with dark brown. And I would have to say, if you were to look at most folks, you know, raised, born, Bethlehem in that part of the world, you'll probably find them to be dark brown. Yeah, you know, I know that that doesn't solve everything to do with racism. I get it. But when a person comes to know Jesus Christ, I want to tell you right now, they become a new creation in Christ. He doesn't take you and fix you. He takes you and makes you brand new. Listen to what it says in Colossians 3.11. Where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcised 
nor uncircumcised, barbarian or Scythian, slave nor free. But listen to this. Christ, but Christ is all and in all. You know what? I had a racist problem growing up. I want to tell you what, when Jesus comes in and now you're the temple of the Holy Spirit and he makes you a new creation, it changes all. He is the answer for racism today. I, I want you to listen to the beautiful translation, the passion translation of this same scripture, Colossians 3.11. It says, in this new creation life, your nationality makes no difference. Your or nor your ethnicity, education, or economic status. They matter nothing. For it is Christ that means everything as he lives in every one of us. You know, today it doesn't matter if you're white collar, blue collar, neighborhood you live in, or if you're without a house. Jesus comes in, and he's able to make everything new. Jesus also has authority, listen to this, over death. Death is happening all around us, especially in this season, this resurrection weekend, this Easter 2020. Turn on the news some of the first things that you begin to hear is statistics of death or, or those who have the COVID uh, virus. Italy, South Korea, Iran, China, Spain, Washington State, New York. Wow, God touched New York. New Jersey. I got a great friend who pastors in New Jersey. New Orleans, in Idaho, just in Idaho. Uh, as of yesterday, or as of April the 3rd, 13 people have died in Idaho. We've, we've done very well that way, even though one death is very sad. In Washington State, 446. Worldwide of yesterday, we went over 100,000 people worldwide dying of COVID-19. But with all that very, very sad and bad news... I've got really good news for you today. You see, Jesus walked on earth 33 and a half years. At the age of 12, he was at that point uh, at taking care of his father's business. Never once did Jesus sin. What's that got to do with death? Listen to me. Just listen to me. He lived the perfect life. Now, everyone wasn't excited about his perfect life and that he had never sinned, and especially the devil. And towards the very end of his life, he was taken into custody. He was drilled. He was accused. He was beaten to a pulp. And then he was crucified. And then he died. Then he was put in a tomb, dead. But because of who he was, because he had never sinned. You, you see here, the Bible says the wages of sin, listen, is death. But guess what Jesus never did? Jesus never sinned. Qualified him to be the greatest sacrifice of all time. This Jesus, the God of the universe, he died for you and I, and now he's in the tomb. But I want to let you know, Sunday's coming. The first day of the week. 
and something beautiful took place. I just want to read a bit of the passage uh, out of Matthew 28, 1 through 7, and it says this. Now after the Sabbath, as the first day of the week began to dawn, look who was there. Mary Magdalene. Here she is, a, a woman that Jesus had cast demons out of. She's the, one of the first ladies at the tomb. And the other Mary came to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat on it. Can you imagine? Mary and Mary, they show up early at dawn and there's an angel hanging out. Been an earthquake. See, his authority over all creation. His countenance was like lightning and his clothing as white as snow. And the guards shook for fear and became like dead men. I can imagine. And the angel answered and said to the woman, listen to this. This is for you today. This is for you. Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. For he is risen. As he said, come see the place where the Lord lay and go quickly and tell the disciples that he has risen from the dead and indeed he is going before you in Galilee. There you will see him. Behold, I have told you. Now I want to show you something so beautiful out of that. I said that he had authority over death. And there it is. On the third day, he rose from the dead. I want to show you something else that's beautiful. Though he hung out with 12 dudes, probably a lot of his last three and a half years of his life, you know what Jesus chose to do? He chose to reveal himself not to be at the tomb <laughs> to two ladies, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary. He chose two ladies to go and tell the disciples, hey, he is risen. Why do you say that, J.O.? Because I think it's another point that we live in a new day. Jesus makes all things new. He defeated death. He defeated sickness. He defeated disease. He's my joy. He's my strength. He's my rock. He's my everything. I preach he is the answer because he is the answer today. And today, if you're floundering in life, is it because you've never surrendered to the answer? My goodness. I think you should really look at that today. Allow the God of the universe, the one who loves you, Come into your heart. Come into your life. Surrender to him today. You see, Buddha, Muhammad, Hindu gods, Sikh, the, the Sikh spiritual teacher, uh, Guru, uh, Nanuk, all those are dead. But Jesus, he's alive and he lives forevermore, conquering death. 
Jesus is going to visit his good friends, Mary, Martha, and he already knows that Lazarus, his good buddy, is dead. Martha meets him on the way, and he's ch she's challenging Jesus. Hey, if you'd have been here, my brother wouldn't have died. This is his response. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? That's not just for Martha today. That's for you. If you're in South Carolina or California, Arizona, if you're in Hayden or, or Hawaii or where, do you believe this? This is absolutely truth. J.R., I don't believe in your truth. Well, I got to be honest with you. We can't have two different truths. And I know this truth to be the truth. Do you believe this today? He was not just another prophet, great teacher, or guru. He's the Messiah, the Savior. Jesus is God. He's the answer. I want to pray for you right now. And then God's done this beautiful thing for each one of us. Like you saw in the garden, that, that cool uh, video, Messiah. He's given us a choice. What's cool and what's not so cool about a choice is that we can choose to do good or we can choose to do wrong. We can choose to do right or we can choose to do evil. And he puts a choice. He didn't make us machines. I choose to love God. He first loved me. Let me pray for you and then I'm going to ask that if you've walked away from Jesus today, that you make a choice to come back in alignment with him and his ways. If you've never known Christ, listen, today is a life changer. Choose to believe on him. But I want to pray for you first if you'll bow your head wherever you are, bow your hearts. God, you love us more than, than, than we could ever imagine or realize. Proven your love for us by sending your most precious possession, your son. There is no pain that you can't comfort. There, there is no uncertainty that you can't bring peace and cease. There's no fear that faith cannot conquer. There's no sickness that you can't heal. There's no amount of hopelessness or depression that you can't cure. There's no amount of mental stress or emotional heartbreak that you can't make whole today. So, Lord, even as I pray, even as we talked about the answer, I pray now by the power of your Holy Spirit that you touch that heart, touch that home, touch that mom, that husband, the husband that's ran away, the husband that doesn't know Christ, but the wife that does, or vice versa, or the child that's uh, running, you know, being crazy, or whoever it may be that doesn't know you. I pray right now, they would trust in you. Will you trust him today? The Bible simply says this, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart, then you, that, raised, that God raised him from the dead like we're celebrating, then you will be saved. Believe in your heart, confess with your mouth. 
Nicodemus. Jesus had a conversation with Nicodemus, uh, a, a spiritual leader. He says, a man must be born again. John, it says, those who believe on him and receive him, they'll be sons of God. Sons and daughters. You'll be a son or daughter. Would you believe on him right now? Listen to me. Can I pray with you to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ? Bow your heart. Close your eyes. And make this greatest decision of your life. Do you believe? Believe on him today. Pray with me. Jesus, you can even repeat after me, but let faith come out of your heart. Right where you are, don't be embarrassed, whoever's in the room. Say this, Jesus, today I believe. I surrender my life to you. I declare you as Lord and Savior because I do believe in Jesus and I do believe that you raised him from the dead. And Jesus, I ask that you forgive me of my sin. Matter of fact, I turn from sin today. I repent of sin. I repent of me controlling my life, me having the reins. I surrender the reins. I surrender all to you today. And I ask you, Jesus, to be my Lord, my God, my Savior. And now, Jesus, I say thank you for saving me. Thank you for healing me. Thank you for your mercy and your grace. Thank you that I'm born again. I believe in you. In Jesus' name, amen. If you said that today, sincerely, I believe with all my heart that you're born again and he lives inside of you. I want to encourage you, if you're locally, if you're local, get into a church. We'd love to have you at Heart of the City Church. Whatever state you're in, whatever nation you're in, get into a good Bible-leaving, full gospel-preaching, uh, Jesus-preaching church. God bless you. We want to hear from you of the commitment that you've made concerning Jesus today. Have a wonderful Resurrection Sunday. God bless you.